0: In the name of Allah, who came in the person of Master Farad Muhammad to whom praise is due forever, the great Mahdi, and in the name of his servant, our beloved leader, teacher, and guide, his Messiah to us, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. I greet all of you, my dear and wonderful brothers and sisters, who are here at the International Amphitheater in Chicago, and those who are watching by satellite in the various cities of America and the various colleges and universities, and those who are watching by satellite throughout the world. I am so happy to greet all of you with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu (laughs) alaikum. Well, so much has already been said. I think it's time for us to just get busy. Certainly, I would like to give thanks to all of the laborers of Islam, our great uh, assistant minister, Minister Ishmael Mohammed, the son of the Honorable Elijah Mohammed. Sister Taynetta Muhammad, the wife of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, for her words. The national spokesman, uh, doctor, and brother minister, Abdul Alim Mohammed, our Minister of Health, for his words. And to all of you, uh, dear brothers and sisters, for this great outpouring of love that I have felt over this past week. To the leaders who are present here today, to the teachers and preachers, to the various organizational heads, I am very, very honored by your presence. Today is the 40th anniversary of my being given to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad by Allah as a Savior's Day gift to him. To help him in his great mission of giving life to 40 or more million of our people in the United States and hundreds of millions of our people and others throughout the world. 40 years ago, On this very day, and at approximately this very time, I was a young musician playing in downtown Chicago at Gene Farduli's Blue Angel nightclub on Rush Street. I was the featured performer in a show called Calypso Follies. I was known then as the charmer. because the songs that I sang and the spirit in which I sang them were considered charming to those who heard my songs and felt my personality and therefore the name Chama stuck. However, as I entered Muhammad's Mosque Number 2, which was then at 5335 South Greenwood Avenue on February the 26th, I wondered what I would see and what I would hear. I was fascinated by the search procedure and somewhat frightened that they separated my wife and my first child from me. And of course, my wife is seated here with me today and my first daughter, Bessie Jean, who went with me to the mosque that time. And while my wife was seated on the main floor, I was in the balcony where I had a direct view of the honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I later learned that he had me seated in that particular place so that he and also others could have a direct view of me and how I was responding to the teachings of the honorable Elijah Muhammad. Well, being a student of English and having studied Latin for many, many years in grammar school and high school, I was somewhat taken aback by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's splitting of verbs and what I termed misuse of the language. But the moment that I thought this concerning his speech, he looked up at me directly and said these words. Brother, I didn't have a chance to get that mighty fine education that you received. When I got to the school, the door was closing. He said, don't you pay no attention to how I'm saying it. You pay attention to what I'm saying. Uh Then you take it. Put it in that fine language that you know. Only try to understand what I'm saying. I was shocked because it appeared that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was reading my thoughts. But little did I know 40 years ago at this very time, on this very day, when he spoke those very words that he was giving me my assignment and foretelling my future my wife and i accepted the teachings of the honorable elijah muhammad on that day and from that day to this i have dedicated my life to the rise of our people under the guidance of Master Farad Muhammad the great Mahdi to whom praise is due forever and his servant the Honorable Elijah Muhammad our great leader teacher and guide now I came to my spiritual father 40 years ago today In the year 1955. In that same year, 1955, our sojourn in America as servitude slaves and free slaves was officially ended, according to the prophet's predictions. Wherein, in the book of Genesis, God said to Abraham, Know of a surety that your seed will be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and they shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years. But after that time, God speaking, he said, I will come and I will judge that nation which they shall serve. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance and go to their fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. Now, according to history, as written by the scholars, they said, we came to America or were brought to America in the year 1619, one year before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620. However... The Honorable Elijah Muhammad pointed out to us that there were 64 hidden years of our history, a history that was so terrible, so wicked, so diabolical in its practice that we were transformed from a people of tremendous quality, skill, wisdom, and righteous bearing into a people that could be typed as subhuman. The scriptures of the Bible teach that this people in the book of Daniel would be stripped of their own names and language and taught the language of the Chaldeans. The scriptures also teach that this people would be compared to the gold and silver vessels of God, corrupted with wine and and strong drink and here we are in answer to these great prophecies the honorable elijah muhammad said to us that the true origin and time of our enslavement in the western hemisphere began with an english slave trader by the name of john hawkins some people refer to him as john Hopkins. His father was a great seaman who prepared the way for his son to deceive us and bring us out of our native land and people in the year 1555 on a ship called Jesus. From 1555 to 1955 is 400 years. Now here we are in 1955. 95, 440 years from the time that our fathers first landed on the shores of Jamestown, Virginia. Now this 440 is a very significant number. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that our fathers wandered down to the shores saying, You can have this world. Just give me Jesus. Give me that ship, Jesus, that would take me back to my native land and people. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, Little did we know that it would be 400 years before the real ship, Jesus, God in person, would come. Deliver us from this oppression and from this oppression and from the ignorance that this oppression had put us under. The real ship, Jesus, he said, is God Himself who would come after that sheep that was lost. And so today I have chosen for my supper. Yes, the Million Man March. Yeah. Yes, who will save the black man. Yeah. But the real subject is Jesus Saves. Yeah. Now, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad worked among us for 40 years. It is historic as well as ironic that we are here celebrating Savior's Day 20 years after we were in this very place we have not been here to deliver a Savior's Day message in 20 years 20 years ago this very day at this very hour the poor followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad accepted the news that was given that Elijah Muhammad, our leader, teacher, and guide, was dead. Twenty years ago, on this very stage, the followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad hoisted on their shoulders the son of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, now known as Imam Warith Deen Muhammad as the successor to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. However, within three years, everything that we, the poor followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, had sacrificed to build was gone. Twenty years later, in 1995, we stand in this very place To say to the world that God has blessed us to restore his name, to restore his word, to restore his people, and to restore our souls. As it is written must first come why must elijah first come because elijah is the trumpet that lets you know that the messiah is on his way elijah must first come and restore all things I am in that spirit of Elijah to restore unto you the things that have been taken from you in this last 20 years. When the old followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, many of whom are sitting here today, saw everything that they sacrificed to build appear to go down the drain, their hearts we're broken. broken and broken. while some of us might want to point the finger of blame to Imam warisuddin Muhammad or to others or to me or to others, the truth of the matter is written in the scriptures. Jesus in the scripture takes the responsibility for he said in these words, If I destroy the temple, I will rebuild it in three days. What do you mean, pastors? Jesus himself is the destroyer. Jesus himself is the builder. For if except the Lord build the house, we build in vain was chosen to destroy it, he's an agent of the Jesus. And if another was chosen to rebuild it, he's the agent of the Jesus. I'm just so happy I was chosen to rebuild it and not to destroy it. So today, We want to know, who is this Jesus who can save? 440 years. What is the meaning of such a number? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad worked 40 years absent from his teacher, or away from his teacher, Master Farad Muhammad. And... It took another four years in preparation for the work that he would do in the absence of his teacher. So we have 44 years of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's presence among us, then he departs. Now we're at 440 years of our sojourn in music. The concert A that every instrument tunes up by in the orchestra is 440 vibrations per second. So if we say that 440 vibrations equals A and A is the first letter of the alphabet so A equals 1 and one is the first number of the language of mathematics. Mm -hmm. Then what are we to learn today from this 440 years, from this A, the concert A that everybody has got to tune up by? What are we to learn from that concert A that is number one? the first note or the first number of the language of mathematics. Here's what we are to learn. We have now come after 440 years to the beginning of the establishment of the kingdom of God. It is not that we are to preach the kingdom. We now have The power to establish that kingdom on earth if we will rise up and take that responsibility. Everyone must tune up their minds. Now I know they're all kind of thinking in here today. But I'm going to sound the concert A. And I want you to begin to tune your minds up to what I'm about to say. Because what I'm about to say will give you more power than you have ever had in your life to make a change in your life and to start from this day forward. Not to talk about the kingdom, but to begin to build the kingdom of God on earth. is due to Allah. A represents Allah. One represents Allah. You know what this means, Muslims? We have evolved into that number one, which means that we, the Muslims, can now demonstrate the power of Allah more fully than we have ever demonstrated his power in the history of our sojourn in America. What do I mean by that? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us how Allah created himself and he had to build himself up into the darkness and 10,000 times made the one Jesus comes at the end of the world at the head of 10,000. I'm saying to you, Muslim, look at yourself today. We cannot even fit in here. The 10,000 is here. And the one is also here with the 10,000. It's time to get up. If we don't tune up, listen, 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 if we don't tune up our actions, tune up our thoughts, tune up our program on the basis of God, then everything that we plan and everything that we are attempting will fail. Except the Lord build the house we build in vain. Who is the Lord that is to build the house? And who are the builders that will build according to the will of the Lord? Who wants to build his kingdom in the midst of the decayed kingdoms of this world? This is why we have called this... Savior's Day. God day with the Lord is as a thousand years. We're not just celebrating the birth of a great man on this day, but the man's birth whom we celebrate brings in with his birth the millennium, a thousand years in which the old world and all. Ways will be done away with, swept out, and the new will be established, the wicked are gonna be uprooted, and the righteous will be firmly planted, and the way and the will of God will prevail over all ideas, thoughts, and opinions in the world. Savior's Day! Jesus saves (laughs) on every church just about throughout America we see this sign Jesus saves but the people in the church under that sign are dying from ignorance and corruption filth and degeneracy But everywhere we look the talk is Jesus saves. I want to ask my Christian brothers and sisters do you think, listen good, that by mentioning Jesus' name alone that this is going to save you? I know the scripture says There is no name under the heavens whereby a man can be saved but by the name of Jesus. Well, the name of Jesus is on the lips of millions of people who know not how to save themselves. Nor are they aware of the plan that has already been worked out for their salvation. Don't get shook
1: up.
0: Just listen. Now listen. Calm down. (laughs) The true name of a thing is the nature and the function of that thing. So if the name of Jesus is the name that allows salvation to come, then this saving power is not the recitation of the name alone. But the saving power is being in harmony with the nature, the function, the principle, and the program of the man under that name. This actually is the power, is the work, or the function that saves. Unless we come under his name, meaning accept his nature his function, his will, his way, his principles, and his program. There is no salvation for any of us. But well, what do you mean, Farrakhan? Accept the nature of Jesus Christ. The thing that sets Jesus apart Makes him stand above all the prophets is the perfect obedience in Jesus to the will of God. Therefore, Jesus could say, "I and my Father, I one His obedience." from the nature of him and unless you don't say I accept Jesus a picture by Michelangelo of his concept of a pale-faced blue-eyed Caucasian Jesus Mm -hmm. it's not accepting a pale picture or a black picture a dreadlock picture or a curly head picture or a blonde or brunette picture it's acceptance of the nature of Jesus to bow down completely to the will of God and that's why Jesus said many of you will say, Lord, Lord, yes, sir. and he will say what? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you not. Okay, let's move on. Jesus represents a body of knowledge that he asks his disciples To discipline their lives by, in our willingness to discipline every aspect of our lives to the word and the example of the Jesus, to that degree, we have salvation. Man, that makes it kind of difficult, doesn't it? a lot of us in church, you know what I mean? Playing church. A lot of us in the mosque. (laughs) Playing mosque. A lot of us in the synagogue. Playing synagogue. All in the name of righteous men. Jesus, Moses, Muhammad. Let's stop this (laughs) foolishness. Unless we are willing... To discipline our lives. To every aspect of that body of knowledge brought by the prophet. To that degree and that degree alone, we have salvation. Now there's a scripture in the Bible that indicates that each of us has the responsibility to work out our own salvation. Well, if we can work it out... Why is there a need for a savior? Good, we got a song? He will work it out. No, he ain't going to work it out. He has worked it out. The question is, are you willing to work it out with him? According to the plan that he's laid out to help us work it out. The Savior comes to give us the means, the method, or the way by which we can be saved. So a man stands up and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life.
1: He's telling
0: you, watch the way I walk. Watch the way I live my life, watch the word I speak, go ahead, go ahead, and then take me as the way, follow me, don't talk about me, follow me. Jesus haven't told none of you to worship him, he says follow him, and that's your problem. You say you're worshiping him, but ain't hardly too many of you following Jesus. Now, to the degree that we refuse to work out our salvation by disciplining our lives to the teachings that we accept, we forbid the Savior to step in to save and redeem us. But what is the meaning of salvation? What do you mean, save? Do you who are listening here... And who are listening by satellite, wouldn't you want to be saved if you were in a burning building and you saw fire all around you? Wouldn't you welcome somebody who offered you a way out of the building? I think you would. If you were drowning, somebody threw you a lifeline, what you going to say? You the wrong color, I ain't accepting it? See, when it comes to saving your life, you ain't worried about color. Anti-Semite is not going to tell a Jewish person, you can't save me. (laughs) The anti-black person is not going to say, you too black, you can't save me. Once you see your life is threatened, you don't care what the color is, what the race is, what the sex is, for God's sake, Get me out of here! (laughs) The sad thing about this world is that the world is in that condition. It's under a crushing weight of its own evil, but the world is so proud and arrogant that it refuses to cry out, save me. The leaders are arrogant know what they're doing excuse me leaders not you I'm not talking to you I'm not talking to you black leaders no I'm talking to the high people in power they don't know what they're doing but they're too arrogant to say oh man I don't know what I'm doing help me But the poor, the weak, the dispossessed, those of us who live in the ghettos of America and the ghettos of the world, we know that we're in a terrible condition. Our communities are in total disrepair. We know that we are in need of salvation. The question is, who will save us? And by what means shall we be saved? this is why I've chosen this subject, not just who will save the black man and why or the million man march, but Jesus saves. But I want to bring you face to face with the Jesus who
1: saves.
0: If it is Jesus who saves, this is not a spirit, this is not a spook. This is a real live human being, but a human being with the wisdom of the time and the knowledge of what must be done in order to bring about salvation. Are we referring to the Jesus who prefigured the Jesus of today? Are we talking about the historical Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago or are we referring to the one that he referred to? Did you know, y'all all all right? Did you know that the Jesus of 2,000 years ago let himself out of this world? How can a man be saved except by a superior knowledge of truth in a world of falsehood and deceit? If the Jesus 2,000 years ago said these words, there are many things that I could tell you, but you cannot Now, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he, not me, Jesus said, not me, he will guide you into all truth. Well, if the people of that time with that man could not bear the truth, me, they didn't have the foundation to carry the weight of the knowledge that it would take to save themselves. You gotta have a foundation for that kind of knowledge. And if you don't have a foundation for that knowledge, God would be unjust to reveal that kind of knowledge to you. Listen... The truth that Jesus was referring to that would free human beings was too much for the people of that time. They didn't have the foundation to bear that kind of knowledge. Plus, the world had to grow and experience so much more of the wickedness of Satan and the wickedness of self. All Satan's wickedness had to be manifest and all our wickedness had to be so great that we were drowning in our own filth. Wickedness had to reach its zenith which it had not done during the time of Jesus of 2,000 years ago. So he let himself out of this. When he has come the spirit of truth He, not I, will guide you into all truth. This means that the one Jesus saw coming in his name would fulfill the function that he prefigured. The nature, the will, and the way fully developed. Would be in a future man who would come at the end of the world of the wicked? What would he look like? How are you going to tell me you're looking for somebody you've never seen before and don't have an accurate description of the man? The scripture describes it. He's not Caucasian.) No offense, no offense. No racism. The way the book describes him, he's definitely not Caucasian. The way the book describes him, he's not Asian as we know Asians. He's a man of dark color. He's a man of woolly hair. According to the book, he's a black man. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know some of us just lost salvation just like that. We don't want it. If he's black, he can't save me. Black man can't do nothing for me but show me which way the white man went. Some of us, (laughs) some of us unfortunately think just like that. Some of us who are black can't stand to think, the thought even, that a black man would have the ability, the power, the will, and the program to save us. And there are some white people who have just tuned out right away, they just turned off the television. nigger's gonna save us? (laughs) Well, if you think like that, you just messed up. See, with us, we don't care if Jesus is a Caucasian. were Caucasian I wouldn't have a problem following him I just wouldn't have that problem I don't think you would either would you not if you're a bigger person than I think that I think you are you are able to look beyond color you've been following white your life so you wouldn't have no problem following Jesus if he was white Some of you done got so black in recent years. <laughs> but you still go downtown and buck dance, don't you? <laughs> oh yes you do. Oh yes you do. Whole oh, bunch of buck dancing brothers and sisters in the name of blackness. I am a black buck dancer. No, I would not have a problem following her if the Jesus were female. I wouldn't have a problem. See, my mother was a woman. I guess yours was too. And my mom taught me very well so if jesus came as a woman i would be able to look past biology because i'm not following biology i'm not following race i'm not following ethnicity the program the will the principle the truth this is what we gotta look for today no matter who carries it white people if a black man carries it and it's your salvation accept the truth and live Since the world has crushed the black man, and he is the most crushed of all the people of color on the earth, then it seems to me that when you're looking for a Jesus who will deliver, save, reform, reconcile, and redeem, you would not think to look for this one coming from a people who have been rejected and despised nevertheless the scripture says he would come to and from a people despised and rejected he would be a stone that all the builders rejected yet he would be the headstone of the corner this is not just a a man an ordinary man This is an extraordinary human being. A human being that is a bridge between man and God. Oh, let me talk about Jesus. He's a human being, listen good, that is a bridge between man and God. He's a human being who breaks down the wall or partition that has separated man from God. He's a human being that allows men and women to access God in a way that previously in this world no prophet could do are we referring to this Jesus is a bridge that allows us to access the mind of God the spirit of God to become his own children that we may grow up to be and exercise power like our father This kind of access was not given to or through any prophet, but is given through this one who comes at the end of the world, who is called Messiah, who is called Jesus, the Christ. Go ahead. This one who comes is to raise men and women from the fall and consequence of the fall of Adam. Therefore, he is to raise human beings from a dead level and bring them back to the living perpendicular or upright living according to the will and way of God. This then is restoring man and woman to our godly powers. Godly powers. Oh, brothers and sisters. You have the potential for so much power. But you are not functioning at a fraction of the level of power that each one of you are capable of attaining. Well, how does Satan accept this? A human being coming to be a bridge to help us to access God in a way that no prophet has ever been able to do. Well, Satan is the natural enemy of God. Satan knew that God was coming. Satan knew that this extraordinary human being would be in the world at a particular time. Therefore, Satan went to work to prepare the people to receive him. You mean Satan went to work to prepare the people to receive Jesus? Sure. To ask the question. My brother said, but what kind of reception? Not to receive Jesus with the honor and submission that he was due, but to receive him in a way of rejecting him, cursing him maligning him, speaking evil of him, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, that you and I would be made so ignorant by Satan that we would take darkness for light and light for darkness, truth for falsehood and falsehood for truth, heaven for hell and hell for heaven. We would be turned totally upside down so that the scriptures again might be fulfilled. He came unto his own but his own received him not. And the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. How's he going to come? Where's he coming from? If he's a man, he's coming from some place to another place. How is he coming? What will mark his coming? How will you know he's present? What sign will we see of his presence that we who have been destroyed under the fall of Adam and the deceit of Satan may find the way to our salvation? In the book of Habakkuk, in the Old Testament, in the third chapter, the scripture says, God came from T-Man. Let's stop right there man was one of the sons of Ada. So if God came from one of the sons of Ada, he's a man coming from a man. Therefore, he gets the name in the scripture, son of man. Let's talk about it. the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. The Holy One came from Mount Paran and God Two different men coming from two different places for two different works at two different times. Listen, T-Man is also a city in Arabia. The God of this world came from Arabia world came from Mount Paran. He's known as a holy one. And the earth was filled with his praise. The name Muhammad means one worthy of praise and one praised much. The scholars of the world admit that the most significant man History of the world is a man named Muhammad from Arabia. He is more significant than Galileo in the hundred most influential men of the last 6,000 years. He's more influential than Newton. According to these scholars, he's more influential than Jesus or Paul. Muhammad was the most successful of any prophet on the earth, and the earth is filled with his praise as a sign of a Muhammad that would come at the end of the world. Listen to me good now.
1: Muhammad
0: the prophet, peace be upon him, filled the earth with Islam. His companions did that. But the Islamic world today has lost the path. The Islamic world today is corrupted and in need of a reformer. Talk to me. Then who will reform the world of Islam if Muhammad is the last. Prophet and the seal of the Prophet and the world of Islam has gone to hell, then you tell me why must a reformer come if Muhammad is the last one?
1: Talk back to me.
0: You all say Jesus of two thousand years ago did the work. Well, why are you in the condition you're in? If you know Jesus, why aren't you doing His work in the power of that man? You are a liar. You don't know that. to me this afternoon. Jesus was not about building a church. You and I can't go back to the Father and say, look at the big church I built. to put a brick on top of a brick and slap some mortar in it and say you got a church. It don't take but so much skill to do that, but to take a human being and transform their lives. And put one human being together with another one and mortar in between them with the love of God and the love of the brotherhood so that you build up a spiritual house so that the spirit of God can live in the true house of God. Muhammad and Jesus were a sign of one who would come at the end of the world. And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, but there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence. And burning coals went at his feet. He stood and he measured the earth. He beheld and he drove asunder the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. And I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. And the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. All of this has meaning. He had power in his hands. His presence was as the light. You can't be in the presence of God or the Messiah, and be in darkness, for he is the light, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, listen, he had horns coming out of his hand, horns represent power, he had scripture that he would make himself of no reputation he had power but he didn't declare his power not at that time before him went the pestilence plagues announcing his coming Just like the Bible said, there would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be earthquakes in diverse places. There would be pestilence and famine. But these would be just the beginning of sorrows. This is the announcement that somebody's present. Look at the world's condition. Wars and rumors of wars. Nation rising against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Is that right? But look, he stood and he measured the earth. The earth is 24,000, 896 miles in circumference. It has a diameter of 7,926 miles. The water of the earth is 139,685,000 square miles. And the land coming about a water is 57,255,000 square miles. He gave us the knowledge of the rivers and the seas and the lakes and the mountains. Why? How do you know this? Because he's stood And he measured the earth. went at his feet meaning everywhere he went revolution broke out everywhere he went revolution broke out why revolution because Satan has been sitting over the masses of people white and black Jew and Gentile but when that man begins to walk revolution would go tents of Kushan in affliction, Kush is you. The tents of Kushan in affliction, Kush is you. Are you in affliction? Everywhere the black man is on earth, he's under affliction. But the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble meaning that which blocks out light. Tuck, tuck, tuck. Now the people who blocked the light from coming, they're trembling now because Jesus, Jesus saves and he's present in the world. Can y'all be patient with me? Because the subject is so deep. By the grace of God, it's my 40th year. I got to preach today. If I never preach again in my life, I got to tell it today. <clears throat> Matthew, in the book of Matthew, the scripture says how he comes from the east unto the west. As lightning shines from the east even unto the west. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What's happening in the West, that it demands the presence of God in person. In the West, the eagles have gathered together, plucking and eating the flesh of a carcass. Why did he say, where the carcass is, there shall the eagles be gathered together? What are you trying to do, Firecon? I'm trying to get the eagles off the caucus. And I'm trying to put life in the caucus in the West. You're the caucus, black man. And the symbol of America is an eagle. And the eagles have picked your flesh clean you are more in need of salvation than any people on the earth Ezekiel used that terminology the son of man but Ezekiel saw the son of man being set down in a valley that was full of bones dry bones in the valley but he had to come as a thief in the night. But we got some bold thieves today, they rob you day or night. (laughs) 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 Say in the hood, we know those kind of thieves. (laughs) They'll rob you while you're looking. Get out that car. Go ahead, go here, Tom. There was a th- time when thieves waited for night to fall. That's the time when thieves had a look cold. Well, he came like a thief in the night. What does the night mean? At a time when the wicked who ruled were not paying attention to the predictions of the prophets. They had gone to sleep on their watch and at that time he comes as a thief in the night to seek and to save that which was lost brothers and sisters is the black man lost talk to me are we lost well what do we mean lost according to Roger's thesaurus Person is lost, they're unable to find their way. When they're lost, they're irredeemable, irreformable, irreconcilable, hopelessly wicked, beyond repair, lost. the possession, care, or control of someone or something no longer known or practiced, unable to function, act, or make progress. Are we lost? Yes. Spiritually or physically destroyed to be unsuccessful in retaining possession of everything you get, somebody takes it away. Why? you lost. Yes. To fail to win. times we're gonna run for mail and not win. Let me depart here for one minute from my text. Before anybody takes up that kind of challenge, you ought to not just look at the numbers, but you ought to look at your ability to excite the numbers. for sure because every time you run out and lose you kill the spirit of the people to try again Mayor Sawyer ran and lost what's the other brother's name? Evans, Tim Evans ran and lost Judge Pinsham ran twice and lost. I'm not saying we don't have a chance to win. But you got to excite black people. You got to stir black people up. You'll never stir black people up if you're afraid. You'll never stir black people up if the leaders are bought off. Your leaders are afraid to sell you out. You have to be able to create so much momentum that anybody that gets in the way of that train will be steamrolled over. And until you have. To beat the field till you're ready. There's no time for personality foolishness. Our people are dying. We can't play games with them. Our people are dying. Is the white man lost? I ask a question. White people in the audience, you can answer. <laughs> Is the white man lost? He lost. Is America lost? Yeah, America, you're lost. Is the world lost? The scripture says, "All we like sheep have gone astray." I'd like to change that. Bring it! Bring it! No, no, no. We ain't gone astray. All we like sheep have been led astray. Who is the shepherd of the sheep that has led them astray? You have a conflict now with this one who comes to free the people and find them and bring them again. He has to fight against the one who misled and deceived the people and wants to keep them in a state of perpetual loss that the God in the last days may may destroy them rather than redeem them. So the act of saving Is to save a people against the force of Satan. Teach Teach. Teach. them to save the people against the force of Satan's wiles and deception. To save the people against Satan's conspiracy to destroy the plan of God for the salvation of the people. Is America lost? Is the black man lost? Is the world lost? And the answer is yes. America is lost. She's lost her way. She's lost her moorings. She's lost her morals. She's lost her principles. Some would argue that America never had any. Wait, (laughs) but to those who say America never had any, we could argue back. She had some, but her morals and her principles didn't refer to moral treatment of the darker people.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: America couldn't come up from nothing to where she is except that she followed certain laws, certain principles and certain morality she had a morality that lifted her and she was lifted by following certain immutable principles and she's falling now because she has deviated from those principles since the whole world is lost, then the whole world stands in need of salvation. So the Savior who comes must have the wisdom and the power to execute a plan, not just to save a people, but an entire world of people. Yeah. If they would desire to be saved. But there has to be an instrument through which this plan of salvation is to be implemented. Yeah. Yeah. That instrument is considered a man and a people. He's a man taken from the despised and rejected and fitted out with a special knowledge and program that would allow him first to save a very special, particular, and peculiar people. In the plan of God's salvation, he chooses a foolish people. I know, I know If I ask white people are like you foolish They say not me I run the world yeah, that's what say. Chinese are not going to admit to being foolish that's right. Japanese are not going to admit to be foolish What about you? You know you're a fool that's right. That's right. That's right. Like Forrest Gump said Stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> and you know, we have done some British stupid things. Foolish things. Come on, come on.
1: <laughs>
0: so, God chooses someone or some ones who are at the bottom that He might affect their rise to the top he chooses an instrument that is considered the least that he in his wisdom and power might make it the most he chooses someone or someones who would be the tail that he with his wisdom and power may make it the head why would he do this because Satan has ruled this world And Satan could never rule by making the true God and his way known. The only way Satan can rule is by obscuring or hiding the knowledge and the reality of the true God. So the true God in coming has to make himself known. So he allows a nation to become powerful and great like he did ancient Egypt. And in that nation, you will find a people weak and insignificant. And he chooses from among the weak and the insignificant in order to make himself known in a world that does not know him. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus saves. In Galatians... Don't go to sleep. I'll take some water and throw it on you. <laughs> Don't go to sleep. In Galatians 4 and 4. Now you got that 44 4 again. <laughs> Look at what Galatians says. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth... His son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Master Farad Muhammad comes. He comes. Oh, that man right there. Let let me point to him. That man right there about him, but let me tell you a little about him. He comes without observation. The government didn't observe him. Those who are the watchers in the society didn't observe him. He came as a thief in the night, and he came in sinful flesh to condemn sin The flesh. I'd like to stop here a moment and talk about what do we mean by sinful flesh? It could mean that he came in the color or in the absence of color of a people who through sin dominated the darker peoples of the world. I want you to listen to me. There is no intelligent Caucasian person here in the audience or watching by satellite or in the various colleges and universities throughout America who will refuse or deny the fact that Caucasian people or as they're called white people came to power over the darker people, not through righteous means, but through means that are universally considered immoral and even wicked. Come on, come on, don't go to sleep on me now. All right, now, most white people, like it when you make generalities, nobody does, but in truth, the people of that particular color or absence of it are responsible for the destruction of most of, if not all of, the darker people of the world and their way whether you came as you say in the name of Jesus that didn't make what you did right you destroyed people in the name of Jesus you murdered and pillaged and raped and robbed people in the name of Jesus People in the name of Jesus. So, since this is true, coming in sinful flesh could mean he came looking like the people who had captured the people of God. Hey. Hey.
1: Hey. 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 Hey.
0: That's why when you say we're racist and we hate people who have white skin hold it, hold it, hold it see that man there? we love him we honor him we respect him he looks like a white man but he's not a white man so don't tell me we hate him color nobody hates white people because of their color white people are hated in the world because of their evil against themselves and the people of the world coming in that flesh he would be without observation coming in sinful flesh could mean that the flesh in and of itself seeks power to satisfy its craving against the moral nature of the human being. And I don't want to lose none of you on anything, but if I happen to lose you or your, your conscience or your, your attention goes somewhere, be sure to get the tape. Because every word that I say today on my 40th anniversary, I am telling you where I'm going in the next few minutes. Lord I just want you to hang with me Coming in sinful flesh Meaning that the power, wisdom of God Is now clothed in flesh God takes on flesh As a human being Muslims say that's wrong with me a minute, Muslims. He takes on flesh as a human being, fighting the same fight that all human beings fight to master the flesh. Now let's look at this. All Muslims are looking for the coming of Mahdi. The Mahdi is not an ordinary man. The Mahdi is an extraordinary man, but he's a human being. A human being, the power that the Messiah and the Mahdi operate from is the living power of God. So when they function on the living power and reality and word of God, and they are in flesh, then the flesh is the clothing. The Spirit of God He comes in sinful flesh. All this sin comes from us obeying the urges of the flesh. Mastery of the flesh is the Spirit of God aroused in man to make man of his lower nature he comes in the duality of the nature of man man has a nature that is upright and man has a nature that is horizontal like that of animals or beasts of the field bringing it You don't know how to train your children, you in leadership in government who know how to train lions, tigers, bears, elephants, fleas, but you don't know how to train the human child. God says in the Bible, spare the rod. the child, it has two meanings, maybe more, but the two I see is that every home has got to function under a rod, a rule, a law, a discipline. The development of the children in that home. The other rod is that which inflicts pain. I didn't say abuse. I said pain. My mother used both rods. Go ahead, go ahead. She said, I don't know anything about psychology. I have three ologies that I use slap ology, stick ology, and broom ology. And I think I got the message. It wasn't her mastery of Freud and Jung. It was her mastery of slapology, stickology, and brumology. Jack and I straightened up. Here the government is so crazy, you want to take away the right of a parent to discipline their children. I think if parents abuse the children we ought to step in. But do not a mother and a father of the right to discipline what they brought into this world. That is their responsibility. You have to train children in their Just like you train animals because the first stage of human development is called the animalistic stage of development and you train animals by things that are good and things that give pain. When they do the thing that you approve of you give them something nice. And when they do the thing that you disapprove of you touch them with a little pain so that they know, "Oh, don't go there." Don't go there. Oh, but some of you you love your children so much <laughs> I just can't hit them. I just can't hit them. It's so terrible to hit them. I'm just talking to them. (laughs) Well, hell, you try talking to an animal. See if that animal understands. (laughs) Children in the animalistic stage of development do not understand words. Words don't mean pain and pleasure (laughs) means. When you got both those rods and you use them with wisdom, your children grow up according to the discipline of your teaching. And after a while, you can remove both rods. But the rod is now established in the child. And the child will only go so far in deviation and then pull back. Because you establish the rod well in the heart, in the mind of your child. We come into the world like animals, and we grow out of an animalistic stage to a moral stage, then on to a spiritual stage. If we are successful in coming out of the animal stage, those of us listen to me, y'all are right, those of us who can do evil and it doesn't bother us. You're an animal. I'm gonna say that again. You have human potential, but you are in fact an animal. If you can rob and lie and cheat and steal and cut and plunder without any conscience, you're an animal and the Bible calls you a beast. Or one that has the mark of the beast Because you think like a beast It's in your forehead And it's in your hands In the way you work And in the way you do In order to come out of an animal stage We have to be introduced to a body of knowledge that awakens in us a moral consciousness. This is why parents have to watch the children, be an example, and then teach at the right moment those morally correct principles. Once the child develops a moral consciousness, then when you do evil, not that you won't do evil again, but whenever you do evil, it'll wake you up at night. It'll beat you in your head at night. Are you all right? So he comes in that duality. And really, that's what is meant by the cross. The cross has an upright part and a horizontal part. See it? You don't worship the cross. You should master the cross. The horizontal nature is the nature in man that makes him act like a beast. The upright part of the cross is the upright nature of the human being that gives him mastery over his lower self so now when you're on the cross that actually means you're struggling that's why Jesus said can all the world go free must Jesus bear the cross alone No, there's a cross for you there's a cross for me and every disciple of Jesus has to pick up whose cross whose cross your cross you ain't on no cross you are because you're constantly struggling to do the right thing. And don't you ever believe that it's not a struggle to do right in a world of wrong. So everyone who struggles to do right is on the cross. In the Quran, it asks the question, have you seen men who take their lower desires or their lower nature as a god beside god we live in a world where men and women are caught up in the lust for things at the expense of moral correctness what do you want you want a car how will you get it what do you want a fur coat How do you get it? What do you want? A home? How do you get it? Will you whore? Will you pimp? Will you sell drugs? Will you lie? Will you cheat? Will you steal? Will you get the things that you want over and above a moral correctness? See, the difference with Jesus is Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom. Righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. All right, now, now. Well, we live in a world where the lower nature of man has become his God. And when the lower nature becomes a God beside God, then we don't listen to the conscience of self that constantly warns us against our errant behavior. We crush the conscience if it speaks against the desires of our flesh. And so he comes in that sinful flesh to show us how to overcome as well as master the flesh. And when we master the flesh, We now become master of the grave in which the Spirit of God is buried or is dormant within us. That's what is meant by the resurrection. Resurrection don't mean somebody dead in the cemetery popping up. Go on out there and try hollering. Get you a trumpet. Tonight and tomorrow ain't no dead people in there getting up now. Some of you don't like this, but your theology is messed up. I have to tell you that you really do not understand the scriptures. that you put down in the earth decomposes and goes back to the earth. That's that's not what the resurrection is all about. The resurrection is the trumpet of God. Gabriel, Jibreel, a man of God sounding a brassy truth that goes past the ear of opposition and then enters into the heart. And if it finds the heart a repository for itself, then the word quickens within man his true nature, which is the nature of God. Then man begins to rise up in the spirit of God and the spirit of God begins to condemn. Weakness, his immorality, her weakness and immorality. And when the resurrection is accomplished and man has ascended to God, then he has the power to say to his lower self, I'm in control. I know you want to exercise yourself, but I am in control feel lust coming on, because that's a mighty fine sister, but I, I am in control. Now, oh Lord, listen, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, you've been so wonderful so very wonderful to me in listening. And the greatest thing that you could give me on my 40th anniversary is not money, but your attention. I know you've been here. I know, I know, I know. And I know you got a lot of things to do and many places to go, but I may not see you again. said earlier, God would come to, and God would come from a particular people. The coming to is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies that God would search the earth for his sheep that were lost. And he would go after that particular one that was lost. He would come to that carcass. He would visit among the dry bones in the valley under the name Son of Man. He would come and be present among them. That's the coming to. But then the coming from means that he would find one from among those to whom he had come. And he would His example to those who yet slept in ignorance, and he would pour himself into that one, then go away, leaving himself in the midst of the people in that one. So now he comes to, then he comes from. scripture said Jesus was raised from the dead. Who are the dead that he's raised from? It's you. It's me. Just as Moses was drawn out of the water, Jesus is raised from a people who are dead. And it means the knowledge, the wisdom, and the power of God is seen in the last days among a people who were considered no people at all. Why did you come out here today? Well, listen to me, listen, listen What brought you out here? You were scholars Some of you Signed, What made you pay $10 for a ticket? It wasn't to just look at me ahead, Was it? Ahead, you expected to hear something This is not happening anywhere in America something is going on in America I'm so happy to say to you my beloved black brothers and sisters of America that you have been chosen by the Lord of creation to render a great service first to yourself and your people And Then to the entire world that is suffering and in need of redemption. You have been chosen not because you're righteous Not because you're black Not because you're good You have been chosen Because of the grace of God and your unique suffering That was preparation and for a divine purpose to get you ready to receive a high calling, a great mission and a great assignment from God. What is that mission? First, you have to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What is the house of Israel? Where is this Israel? Who are the Jews? Israel, that the sheep are lost in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. America is that Israel. The very 13 stars on the seal of America is the star of David. Israel that is in the West, and the sheep that are lost in the house of Israel come on, are the black people of America who are lost under the power of America and her people. Come on. Listen, the Bible says, Jacob wrestled with an angel. wrestling with an angel of God. Oh, wait a minute. minute. If you are wrestling with an angel of God, you are in opposition to God. But not only did Jacob wrestle, Jacob prevailed. Wrestling with an angel. Listen, listen. Well, when you contest the angel of God, you are coming with a force and a power opposite the force and power that the angel represents. So if that angel represents God in righteousness, by what power are you contesting him? And if you wrestle with the angel until his thigh is thrown out of place, then you have prevailed however, you wrestle all night long. It didn't say you prevail in the day because the night was given to you. And because you prevail, he gives Jacob the name Israel. Jacob was a supplanter. Supplanter means one who is trying to take the place of another. Not necessarily by righteous means. Israel means you prevailed with God. Israel could never have prevailed or Jacob could never have prevailed if God was not with him to prevail. God allowed Jacob to prevail. God allowed Israel to come into existence. Yes. So the sheep of God got lost following the way of the supplanter. Who did they supplant? See, that Israel supplanted God. They wanted you to call him what? Master. Call me Master, boy. Who's your Master? Only God should be our Master. But the white man made us call him what? Master. And what is a Master. A master is one who has mastered a particular thing, a particular field of knowledge, a particular endeavor, or mastered a particular people. And if a wicked man becomes your master, how could you ever become righteous under a wicked master? Well, there's an old saying... We used to sing in the church, God is going to move this wicked race and raise up a nation that will obey. That process of the meeting of Master Farad Muhammad with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that process brought about the formation of that which is called the Nation of Islam. What is the nation of islam the nation of islam is a group of people committed to obedience to the will of god fulfilling what our father said god will remove the wicked race raise up a nation that will obey a nation of obedience you say it in arabic islam this is a unique nation But how would this nation in this process that is delivering people from the clutches of the power of evil be accepted by the wicked one, the supplanter, the rulers of this world? If you notice, when any one of us come to the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and accept it, the first thing you notice is a change. No! comes to the teaching of Elijah Muhammad and remains the same. You go to church and you join the church but nobody necessarily notices a change. But our very appearance changes because our minds have changed. Our conduct changes because our minds have changed. Our changes because our minds have changed this is not just a change it's a transformation in our lives that is readily noticed by family and friends then you see those of us who accept to become a part of the nation of islam disciplining ourselves according to a body of knowledge that the honorable elijah muhammad brought And immediately, this starts the process of salvation or rescuing us from harm or danger. We come to Elijah Muhammad drunkards, thieves, dope sellers, pimps, whores, murderers, cutthroats, haters, envious people, jealous people knowledgeable people with no morals and you see a profound change in our lives family life is restructured marital relations are restructured our homes get saved we were reckless in the way we handle our money but the economic principle that is taught by the jesus causes you to live within your means and save your home economically and since the god that we represent is not a poor god When we follow him and submit to his teachings, he starts lifting us immediately out of poverty and want and that ignorance has placed us in. This is all a part of the plan of salvation. He inspires us with a new education, new ideas to form a new educational system. He inspires us to work for our own economic deliverance. So the whole plan of Elijah Muhammad is a program that spells salvation for the black man. Well, who should be angry with such a program? Why would the FBI want to destroy a program that is delivering black people? Why would the Anti-Defamation League Want to destroy a program that's lifting black people? Why would the government of America work against such a plan that would make a people into something that their fathers destroyed? Make us whole again, make us useful again, and give us a sense of personal value. Why would the government of America fight something like that? would fight that. Satan would fight that. Satan Satan would fight it because he doesn't want the people to be saved. There's a song we used to sing in the church. The devil is mad and I'm so glad because he missed the soul that he thought he had. Everyone who comes to Christ or comes to God. And sincerely seeks to change, Amen. Satan comes after them like a roaring lion. What's Satan? Go ahead. Go ahead. Who is Satan? Go ahead. I didn't say what is Satan. We know Satan is a spirit and a force that deceives, but who? Who? is
1: Satan.
0: The scripture says that day shall not come except there be a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who is the man of sin? Not a spirit. Who is the man, the man, the man of sin? America is involved in a conspiracy against the rise of not only our people, but the good that we would ultimately do for their own people and for the world. The government of America is against white people who sincerely work in the best interests of the poor. Listen up. Satan is in a conspiratorial posture towards this Jesus. Satan does not want Jesus to succeed. That's right. Satan does not want to see a true Christian, a truly righteous person, a true Muslim who wants to submit to do the will of God. Satan wants to deceive that person out of the practice of obedience. Dear Muslims, If I never see you again, I want you to hear me because I'm going to put something on your plate today that you can feed on and it will get you through a dark hour. The government is frightened when Farrakhan talks about leading a million men to Washington. Don't you think the government is happy if a million fleas showed up in Washington, they would take action against the fleas. If a million mosquitoes showed up in Washington biting people, the government would order a plane with DDT to spray the city, if a million locusts or bees showed up in Washington, there would be a bee fighting plan. They would be in the war room saying, what shall we do to kill the bees and not kill the citizens? If a million black people show up in Washington, how will the government respond? Now listen, the forces of the world that joined together seeking to destroy the nation also saw in the nation of Islam, small and insignificant as we are, the potential end of their own power if the nation succeeded. Do you know if we succeed in cleaning up 40 million people? The liquor business is hurt. The pork business is hurt. The cigarette business is hurt. The whore business is hurt. The dope business is hurt. If we just clean up our people, a whole lot of businesses fall. If we become Muslims, become an army the like of which has never been seen on the face of the earth the government does not want to see that so the government worked to destroy the nation of Islam when 20 years ago when the nation took on a change The government was happy. Talk to me. Why was the government happy? Because we weren't talking nation anymore. We weren't setting up the flag of God anymore. We had become integrationists now. We wanted to carry the flag of the persecutors and the oppressors. The government was happy. They don't mind you stop smoking and drinking just don't come up with an idea that supplants the idea of wickedness that rules America. I shall never forget, brothers and sisters, I was sitting in a movie theater in 1977 looking at a movie called The Lincoln Conspiracy. Listen, listen. And in that movie, Lincoln is really not killed by Booth. It was a conspiracy right within the government itself to knock him off because Lincoln was doing something to interfere with international bankers. I'm sitting in the theater, come on, while I'm looking at the movie, in my head I hear a voice saying, Read psalms. And in my mind I say, What psalm? And the 83rd, a a clicker went off and it stopped at the 83rd psalm. So when I left the theater, I told my wife, You know, I had a strange experience. I went home, picked up this Bible, read the 83rd Psalm. Keep not thou silence. Oh God, hold not thy peace and be not still. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may no longer be in their remembrance was a conspiracy to stop us from thinking of a nation, to make us want to come back and integrate with the very force of destruction of our lives, a conspiracy. Please, just give me about 20 minutes. I'm literally begging you, just give me 20 minutes. Whenever you talk about conspiracy in America, they want to make you a looney tune, some nut. Many scholars that I talk with say, oh, well, I don't believe in the conspiracy theory. So if you believe that there's a conspiracy against the rise of black people that you're crazy but let me ask you a question if we believe that there is a devil or Satan who will act against God and a conspiracy is when two or more people act in concert to perform an Many scholars that I talk with say, oh, well, I don't believe in the conspiracy theory. As though if you believe that there's a conspiracy against the rise of black people, that you're crazy. But let me ask you a question. If we believe that there is a devil or Satan who will act against God, And a conspiracy is when two or more people act in concert to perform an illegal, wrongful, or subversive act. Then if God comes to plant the kingdom of God because he's on time, Satan must get people together in a conspiracy to work against the establishment of the kingdom of God. Whenever we speak of conspiracy, there are those who will call those who speak of that paranoid, sick, or simplistic. But there is a conspiracy on all levels. Please listen. America, the greatest nation in the history of the world, was begun by men who were not the greatest scholars, but they were men inspired by a common vision based upon their understanding and knowledge of the history of church and government in Europe. The Founding Fathers came to this new world armed with that knowledge, desirous of setting something up that would be free from the influences that destroyed church and government in Europe, that denied the right of the people to know what the aristocracy and the leaders knew. And so the Founding Fathers of this nation wanted an intelligent people to be a body that would elect and select their rulers. The root idea of America is the concept of Israel as introduced by the prophet Samuel. That concept of governance failed or did not come to full bloom because of the wickedness of those people. David gathered the material to build the temple to symbolize the nation of Israel. Solomon built the temple, but in Jerusalem today we see the last remaining wall of that which was to be built as a sign of what God wanted for his people. The Founding Fathers of America were heavily influenced by Biblical studies, studies concerning Israel in particular. They wanted to build this new nation with safeguards against those things that caused the fall of nations and empires in Europe. The Founding Fathers built with a kind of morality on principles that were good. Their concept of moral correctness was for white people. It did not include the black, the Native American, the Hispanic, the darker people of the earth. Their morality was a limited morality. Their limited vision for America never included that which would become the hallmark of America. Her inclusion of all people America came to be a nation housing every nation, kindred, and tongue, race, and religion under one government. This has never been done in the annals of history. Rome was an empire that had the world at its foot, but America is a nation that includes the world, and she claims that she wants all within her borders to be included with the rights and privileges of citizenship. But you go anywhere on the earth and you will see like ruling like Chinese ruling Chinese, Japanese ruling Japanese, Filipinos ruling Filipinos, Italians, Greek, French ruling themselves. But in America, every human being from every part of the earth yes, sir. has some measure of inclusion. This is quite a heck of an experiment.
1: Right. Yes, but
0: Thomas Jefferson uh-huh. and others in writing the Constitution, please listen, made a provision that putting the control of money and credit under the control of Congress was absolutely what the founding fathers wanted because congress was the representative of the people the founding fathers fought against the idea of private control and ownership of a central bank because they saw how the private ownership of central banks in europe caused the undoing of nations as these banks finance wars that ultimately caused the destruction of millions of lives. Please, please, please. Thomas Jefferson, in a letter to John Adams, please, please. wrote, quote, I sincerely believe with you that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies. Well what had the founding fathers learned from the history of the activities of privately owned banks in Europe? That history begins with the rise of Maya Amschel Rothschild. I want you to just put on your put on your thinking caps the Valley, and I want all of you in this audience to walk with me. Maya Rothschild said that he did not care who governed so long as he controlled the press strings. of this nation, I really don't think could be considered anti-Semitic, but Jewish people in the new nation called America had a hard way to go, but what was that all about? Some whites hate the Jews because of just plain envy at the success and brilliance of this people whom God has sent so many prophets to but listen when a people are given prophets the presence of a prophet means the presence of revelation The presence of revelation means that wisdom or knowledge heretofore unknown becomes known, which opens up new horizons of discovery, new horizons of advancement. If you are the recipient of revelation, you are chosen by God to be an example of what that revelation can bring but you are also chosen to give guidance of that revelation to those who do not know it. The Jewish people have had many prophets and they have had revelation upon revelation, which means that the Jewish people have been exposed to knowledge unknown in the world before these prophets came which automatically creates an environment for advancement in every field of human endeavor for whenever God reveals his revelation touches every field of endeavor it opens up every field so we should not be surprised that members of the Jewish community are at the head of practically every field of human advancement. They have led the way in science and technology, in all branches and disciplines of knowledge. They're leaders. This can create enmity, envy, jealousy, hatred, plotting and scheming against such people of advancement. Uh, But there's another side to this that must be understood when one receives divine knowledge muslims i want you to listen when one receives divine knowledge that opens up new horizons for advancement upward toward god there also is the opening up of channels of the darker side of human nature so when a person has knowledge and refuses moral correctness that comes as a responsibility of those who are possessors of knowledge, then those who take knowledge but refuse moral correctness become devils. I'm going to say that again, devils. I'm going to say that again, devils. Yeah. Black devil... White devils, red devils, yellow devils, green devils, purple devils. Anybody that is a knowing one and refuses moral correctness, then you will use your knowledge to trick, to deceive, to scheme, and you will become a living agent of Satan the devil. mentality works against the advancement of the person toward God and this is seen in every community where revelation comes Muslims is it seen among us how many Muslims who heard the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that opened up advancement for us but when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was gone and we forgot moral correctness you fell all the way back down like the dog that you were when he found you. Are you listening to me? Behold, the dog returns to his vomit. So you have men named Sharif and Muhammad who are dope sellers, dope users, dope pushers, hymns and hustlers. have become black devils, agents of Satan. There are Christians like this too, who do their wickedness in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, in Europe, Rothschild claimed to be Jewish. Not the nationality of a Jew, but Jew in terms of belief in God and a follower of divine revelation. But was Mr. Rothschild a moral man? He is a man that had five sons. And he sent his five sons into five countries. One son went to England, one son to France, one to Austria, one to Italy, and another remained in Germany with the father. And from these sons, the money that these sons had, they worked and maneuvered and manipulated until they gained control of the central banks of England, France, Austria, Italy and Germany. The control of these central banks went into the hands of individuals whose interests were not necessarily in harmony with the best interests of that nation. These privately owned central banks became the printer of the money and the extenders of credit of that particular nation. So government and politics. I wish the politicians didn't have to go. I wish the politician didn't have to go, go ahead, but I understand you're very busy. Go
1: ahead,
0: Government and politics in Europe was always controlled by the money interests. Wars were fought. And in order to fight a war, governments had to borrow money. They borrowed money from these central banks. The central banks wax rich because they loan money and charge interest. Then took over when one side prevails against the other. And when governments could not satisfy the indebtedness, then some of the natural wealth of that country flowed to the bankers. They would loan money to both sides in the conflict they really didn't care who won or who lost. I mean, it's hurtful, but a Jew, Rothschild, loaned money to Adolf Hitler. A Jew, Rothschild. God damn it, you better not open your mouth to call. Jews, while Rothschild and Wahlberg stayed in the finest hotels in Europe. If you can't call Rothschild anti-Semitic and Wahlberg an anti-Semite, then don't you open your mouth against me. conspiracy by Gary Allen and Larry Abraham on page 45 the question is asked where do governments get the enormous amounts of money that they need most of course comes from taxation but governments often spend more than they are willing to tax from their citizens so governments are forced to borrow The public is led to believe that the government borrows from the people through savings bonds. Actually, only the smallest percentage of the national debt is held by individuals in this form. Most government bonds, except those owned by the government itself through its trust funds, are held by vast banking firms known as international banks. For centuries, there has been big money to be made by international bankers in financing governments and kings. Such operators, however, are faced with certain thorny problems. We know that smaller banks operate to protect themselves by taking collateral, but what kind of collateral can you get from a government or a king? The process through which one collects a debt from a government or a monarch is not a subject taught in the business schools of the universities most of us, never having been in the business of financing kings or governments, have not given the problem much thought. But there's a king financing business. And to those who can ensure collection, it is a lucrative business. An economics professor named Stuart Crane notes that there are two means used To loan governments money to governments and kings, and two means of collecting on that money. Whenever a business firm borrows big money, the creditor obtains an influence in management to protect. It's investment. Like a business, no government can borrow big money unless that government is willing to surrender to the creditor some of its sovereignty. Certainly national bankers who have loaned hundreds of billions of dollars to governments around the world command considerable influence in the policies of such governments. Yes, yes. But the ultimate advantage, listen to this, that the creditor has over a king or a president is that if the ruler gets out of line... Go ahead the banker can finance his enemy or his rival. Therefore, if you want to stay in the lucrative financing business of kings and governments, it is wise to have an enemy or a rival waiting in the wings to unseat every king or every president to whom you lend money. If the king doesn't have an enemy, You gotta be able to create one. Now I'm gonna show you why America is in so much debt. (laughs) The founding fathers of this nation said they did not want private control of a central bank, because to them, such a bank would be the detriment of this democracy. Thomas Jefferson saw a privately owned central bank as worse than an opposing army. Thomas Jefferson wanted to keep America free from those things that led to the destruction of many nations and governments in Europe. And so a privately owned central bank was unthinkable to the founding fathers of this nation and therefore it was written in the Constitution Go ahead. that only Congress should have the right to print the money and the instruments of credit. The debt of America is so great that greater hardship is now being planned by the government for the masses of the American people in order to make America solvent. Please, you know, wake yourself up now. Come on. Come on. If you gotta stand up and breathe, stand up. Stretch yourself. I'm winding this down, so come on, I don't want you to sleep now. Water. Are you all right? Yes, okay, sit down. You're you refreshed? Good, I am too. Let's get rolling. The great sweep in the November elections that brought the Republicans into the control of the Senate And the House of Representatives and the majority of the governor's mansion of this nation sent a message to the government that the American people are greatly disturbed over the course of this nation. And they all are seeking change. The majority of the American people may not know what change they want, but they definitely desire change for the better. The Republican Party has come up with a theme. They call it a contract with America. This contract or agreement is to reform the government in such a way where great amounts of money can be saved. Spending is to be brought in line. Taxes are to be reduced. But this contract with America, to many seems in gangster terminology to be a contract on America where the contract says the poor and the weak must be eliminated. There is no way that the Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, or Senator Doe, or the Republican Party, can solve the problem of the tremendous debt of this nation without exposing the root of this problem and the conspiracy that brought America to her wretched debtor condition. Every home needs a balanced budget. Teach! A balanced budget means that we do not spend more than we take in or have debt greater than our ability to handle without over borrowing that will destroy the economy of our homes. Serious financial problems are at the root of most of our domestic quarrels. The tremendous stress on the breadwinners in the American family is such that this stress leads to spousal abuse. Women abusing the men, men abusing their wives, the abuse of the children, the breakup of the family. So balancing the budget at home is one of the keys to a stable family environment. Since this is so in individual homes, It is also true in the larger context, the country, the nation. The nation called America is going toward $5 trillion in public debt. This debt is so great that in order to balance the budget, Such drastic cuts have to be made that the poor and the weak will suffer the most. So, this contract with America is a contract on America's poor. Even the thought of raising the age level, at which time the elderly will receive Social Security to 70 years of age is a sign that the social security of those who have paid into it is in deep trouble. The government, if it raises the age limit to 70, is betting that most of those who paid into this fund will never live to see 70 years of age, and therefore Social Security will not have to be paid, thank you. This is a disgrace, but what is the root of the problem? How did America get into this condition? You know, the President just sent a budget up to Congress of $1.6 trillion. Yet, in 1991, the last year that we have knowledge of what America took in in taxes, America took in a little over $1 trillion in taxes. Which means that if the budget this year or next year is going to be $1 $600 billion, then where will the six hundred billion dollars come from to satisfy the budget? At this rate, if America cuts taxes and yet is increasing its budget, by the time Clinton leaves office, if he only has one term, the country will be six trillion dollars in debt. At trillion dollars in debt to pay the interest on that debt in 1991 was 288 billion dollars, nearly one third of what the government took in in taxes. If the debt reaches six trillion dollars, practically every penny that comes In tax revenue will have to be paid to service the debt which technically means that the country will be bankrupt this condition of great debt has placed America at the mercy of those to whom she is indebted on page 47 Of this same book, they dare call it Conspiracy, by Gary Allen and Mr. Abraham. It reads, listen, listen, quote, Since the keystone of the international banking empire has been government bonds, it has been in the interest of these international bankers to encourage government debt. The higher the debt, the more the interest. And nothing drives governments into debt like a war. And it has not been an uncommon practice among international bankers to finance both sides of the bloodiest military conflicts. For example, during the Civil War, The American North was financed by Rothschild through their American agent, August Belmont. And the American South was financed through the Erlangers, who were Rothschild's relatives. While wars and revolutions have been used by international bankers in gaining or increasing control over governments, the key to such control has always been control of money. You can control a government if you have that government in your debt. A creditor is in a position to demand the privileges of monopoly from the sovereign. Oh man, this is heavy stuff. Governments that are seeking money have granted monopolies in state banking natural resources, oil concessions, and transportation to the bankers. However, the monopoly which the international financiers most covet is to gain control over a nation's money. Eventually, these international bankers actually owned as private corporations the central bank of various European nations. The Bank of England, the Bank of France, the Bank of Germany, were not owned by their respective governments as almost everyone imagined. They were privately owned monopolies granted by the head of state, usually in return for loans. Under this system, Observed Reginald McKenna, president of the Midlands Bank of England. He said, quote, those that create and issue the money and credit direct the policies of government and hold in their hands the destiny of the
1: people.
0: Now, most of you think, most Americans think, that the Federal Reserve Banking System is owned by the federal government as the representatives of the American people. But the Federal Reserve Bank is a privately owned banking institution. On page 59 of this same book, it reads, The Federal Reserve controls our money supply and interest rates and thereby manipulates the entire economy creating inflation or deflation recession or boom sending the stock market up or down at whim the federal reserve is so powerful that the former congressman right who was the former chairman of the House Banking Committee, said, in the United States, we have, in effect, two governments. We have the duly constituted government. Then we have an independent, uncontrolled, uncoordinated government in the Federal Reserve System operating the money powers which are reserved to Congress by the Constitution. Neither presidents nor congressmen nor secretaries of the Treasury direct the Federal Reserve. In the matters of money, the Federal Reserve directs them. This was written about 30 years ago. Well, is it so today? Recently, the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, Mr. Alan Greenspan, came before Congress to hint to the Congress that the Fed would raise interest rates again. So for the seventh time in a year, interest rates have been raised. The chairman of the board of General Motors and Ford is now seeking an audience with Mr. Greenspan to plead with him not to raise the interest rates any further. And if Mr. Greenspan agrees, this will be the first time According to what we have read, that the Federal Reserve has agreed to sit down directly with the heads of business. The Federal Reserve sits down with the heads of government. Why would business plead to the Federal Reserve not to raise interest rates? Why couldn't Congress order the Federal Reserve not to raise the interest rates? If you watch Congress, when they deal with Mr. Greenspan, they don't play with him. Because Mr. Greenspan is the representative of a shadow government that literally dictates the monetary policies of this nation. Now, do you remember a few weeks ago when the Mexican peso was in trouble? Against the wishes of the American people and the Congress, President Clinton ordered $20 billion of the American taxpayers' money to be used to bail out the peso. Think about it. But who was President Clinton helping? Was he acting on his own? Or was he being directed by powerful forces that the American people don't know anything about? According to what we have read, the bailout don't save the common Mexican peasant. The bailout doesn't save the poor businessman of Mexico. It saves the international bankers who have invested heavily in Mexico. Who ordered the bailout? Since the president is supposed to act on the will of the American people, and the American people said no, and the Congress said no, who told Clinton you better do it? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us that the Prime Minister of England may appear to be the leader, but he goes back behind the door to unseen forces that direct his motion. And believe it or not, so it is with the American president. The American people feel that voting for the president is voting for the man who has supreme power, To direct the course of this nation for the next four years. But there's another power in America called the Federal Reserve that is a power unto themselves. How did the control of the federal banking system come into private control against the wishes of the founding fathers of the nation? And what was written in the Constitution and what was the purpose of that? Have you noticed how politicians bow to people with money? Well, what makes you think that your vote counts? (laughs) It is money that buys political influence and oftentimes political elections. It is money, special interests that dictate in a large measure the vote of politicians in city council, in state legislature, and in the federal government of the United States. It is the big international bankers who are in control of many of the world's governments. But how did this happen to America? The financial woes of this country produce a ripple effect throughout the earth. The financial woes of America are causing the undoing of the social fabric of this nation. The people are grossly dissatisfied with the politics and the politicians of America. The people are wondering... How the president and the Congress could loan money to other governments and give money away with the infrastructure of this nation crumbling and the debt is spiraling. How could America give away money when the country is in need? There are millions of homeless people living under bridges, and America is giving away the wealth of the nation. How could America be so so generous to other nations, and so miserly to her own people. This absolutely is a conspiracy. And so, my beloved brothers and sisters, as I enter my conclusion, the honorable Elijah Muhammad wrote in his book, Message to the Black Man, that when America went off the gold and silver standard, her financial doom, was sealed. What did he mean by that? When did America go off the gold and silver standard? Who influenced that? And for what purpose? Brothers and sisters, the honorable Elijah Muhammad in saying that when America went off the gold and silver standard, her financial doom was sealed, this is a very big statement. Because the financial doom of a nation ...brings down its government. That's right. When Germany lost the value of the German mark, the government went down right behind it. That's right. Whoever, and for whatever reason, America was taken away from the gold and silver standard that made her financial doom something that is bound to happen, yes, then those same traitors are responsible for ultimately bringing about the ruin of the government of the United States. Now, let's close. Don't move, don't move. Did you know that from 1900 to 1913, the federal government had a very manageable debt into the millions of dollars? But in 1913, something happened. Four things were set up in the year 1913. First, the Federal Reserve Bank, the IRS, the FBI, and the Anti-Defamation League of Bene Pritz. All were set up in the same year. Is that a coincidence? Or is there a tie-in? I don't have time to go into all the details but by the help of Allah I'll do that in further writings if it is the will of Allah but it's enough to say that two German Jews Paul and Felix Warburg and the international bankers of Europe wined and dined a senator named Nelson Aldrich who was the maternal grandfather of Nelson Aldrich Rockefeller. And they wined and dined him for two years, showing him the the central banks of Europe. Senator Aldrich came back to America and was given the job of being a part of the national, study of the National Monetary System. Nelson Aldrich with Paul Warburg had a secret meeting in Jekyll Island, Georgia, off the coast of Georgia. And in that secret meeting what came out of it was the basis of the Federal Reserve Act. They tried to get it through Congress under the name the Aldrich Federal Reserve Act. But since Aldrich was so tied to the international banking system, the members of Congress under the leadership of President Taft, you know, they voted. So they went back to the drawing board and they redid it and they pushed it through on December the 22nd, 1913, just as Congress was about to break for the Christmas recess. Wanting to get home quick, they pushed it through and the Federal Reserve Act became law. But in 1912, there was a great presidential election where William Taft was challenged in his own party by Teddy Roosevelt. Both uh, uh, Roosevelt was financed by some of these international bankers. They hated Taft for his derailing of the Aldrich Federal Reserve Act, so they wanted to get at Taft. But they felt that a Republican shouldn't bring this act before Congress. It would be better if it came through a Democrat. So the they same bankers put money behind Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson sold the American presidency to the international bankers. He was elected in 1912, and in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act became law, and the Central Bank of the United States was taken over by a group of private banking institutions.
1: Go ahead, Mr.
0: Somebody else began printing the money. Like Rothschild said, he don't care who rules, as long as he controls the purse strings. In 1913, America was not yet at war. In the last winter solstice. Of the six thousand year rule of the enemy, America was betrayed by one of her presidents, and one of her senators, and one of her uh, members of the United States Treasury. Do you know why I'm teaching this subject on Jesus Saves? Because after I say what I'm saying today, if I ain't got a savior, I'm sure gonna need one after I say what I say today. Let me just finish. Don't be frightened for me. You better be frightened for yourself. Because some stuff is going down in America right now as we speak. That all our lives are in danger right now. And I've got to sound the alarm, brothers and sisters. I don't care nothing about my life. It's your life that I want to save. money is in the hands of private interests. The idea is to push up and inspire the government to borrow. How do you do it? Get America into war. The war in Europe started in 1914. About the Lusitania being sunk by German subs. The American people were called into a war to end all wars. Boy, this is heavy, man. You, you can't believe how wicked how low down and rotten oh, wait a minute wait a minute oh, wait a minute oh, you can't believe how wicked these people are wicked, to play games with your lives and the lives of your babies oh, creators just to get more money to charge more interest and send your babies to die for a Everybody, white or black, that tampers with control of the poor people. That's right, that's right. Whether you're communist, socialist, oh, come on, man. whether you have an idea that could stimulate the masses with truth, the FBI pounces on you. That's right. In the same year that the FBI was established, the Anti-Defamation League was established. The Anti-Defamation League has been used to cover up and to fight against anybody that is not necessarily anti-Semitic, but anybody who will expose those Jews who have been at the root of the control of the banking system. Of the Federal Reserve. So when you start opening up the truth, immediately they attack you and call you either a latent anti-Semite or an anti-Semite because they want to stifle you. They'll drive you out of Congress. They'll drive you out of business. They'll drive you out of wherever you are. But I say to the Anti-Defamation League, this is one black man. Two ain't gonna drive one man To 1995, the debt is nearly $5 trillion. And ask yourself, how did we get into World War II? You say Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. Yes, they did. But what were the forces that created in Japan the desire or the need or forced them to attack America? You don't know that. But when America... Went to war after the attack on Pearl Harbor, she had to borrow money. There were the international bankers again. They financed all sides. And how many millions of Americans lost their lives? Suppose Hitler was trying to destroy the international bankers' control in Europe. But he went about it by attacking a whole people. That's right. Listen. All Jews are not responsible for the evil of the few who do the evil. All Muslims are not responsible for the evil of those few Muslims who do evil. Christians are not responsible for the evil of those who masquerade as Christians, but certain Jews have used Judaism as a shield. The Bible says they say they are Jews, but they are not, and I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. so, all four of them are lined up against fire cars. Go ahead. And so, all four of them are lined up against Farrakhan. Go ahead. Yeah, These are the dogs Sick yes, on those who stand up for truth. The IRS probing to see what they can find. The FBI trying to cajole and trap little cheap black criminals in the mosque. Right. Sending people in among us yeah. to do criminal things, and when they are caught, ask them. We'll lessen your time if you say that con told you to do it. The yeah. ADL, all of them come out, but here I stand. Yeah. And so, like Jonah, God has called you to a great work today. God wants you to go to the people of the modern Nineveh and preach. Nineveh was the only wicked city in the Bible that saved herself from destruction and got 200 more years added because she heard the preaching of Jonah. But Jonah didn't want his job. Jonah was running from his mission. Go ahead. Go ahead. And Jonah jumped on board a ship and fell asleep in the hole of the ship and the ship got troubled. And the captain of the ship said, save us. And they found that somebody was in the hole of the the ship asleep, and it was Jonah. So when they threw Jonah overboard, the winds got calm. Then Jonah ended up in the belly of a whale. And finally, after he was in the belly of the whale three days, he decided, I I had enough. I had enough, God. Just let me get out on dry land, and I'll do what you want me to do. I'm asking you, black man, have you had enough? America's troubled today because you're asleep in the bottom of America. America's experiencing the worst calamities and disaster because Jonah's asleep in the bottom of the ship because God got a job for you, black man. Asking you today, have you had enough? And if you've had enough, then it's time to get up and get cast out of the ship. Get cast out of the belly of this whale. But first, before you can get on your mission, you got to put on sackcloth and ashes, and you got to repent for being so slow in accepting your duty and your responsibility. You got to repent for being the fool, the clown, the buffoon, the pimp, the punk, the hustler, the buffoon, the clown. Go ahead. You got to repent. You got to atone. The social fabric of the house is being torn apart. The country is suffering increasing calamity. God is angry. So the only real saving power for America is that human being in the Bible that is called Jesus. But really, in truth, my dear pastor, Jesus can't save. Only Christ can save. See, Jesus couldn't save as Jesus to be exalted to the right hand of the Father, then given power, then that Jesus, the Christ became Savior and Lord of all. To know Jesus of the Gospels is not to know him in his exalted state, but to know him as he is exalted to become the Christ that is to partake of the wisdom and power necessary to turn the weak and the negative thing into strength and that which is positive yeah. the christ principle is the only thing that can turn america around and save this nation right. but the american people have to recognize that there's a conspiracy and the american people have to refuse to take part in it and whether the whites refuse or not you got to refuse
1: yeah.
0: You gotta refuse to be a sex hound. You gotta refuse, black woman, to be a street merchant. You gotta refuse to let men use your body for pleasure and disgrace you as a woman of God. Refuse black man to pick up a gun and kill your brother over the wrong color or the wrong sign or the wrong gang. You gotta refuse to be a part of the madness. And you say, but 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 I I need money, man. I, I, I ain't got no job, man. Shut up. Don't come to me with that punk excuse. God came and offered us money, good homes, and friendship in our walk of life. I got money. I got a good home. I got friendship in our walk of life. And I'm neither a pimp, nor a hustler, nor a thief, nor a liar. This is why I'm calling on us to take the vanguard position and march on Washington. That's why I'm calling on the black man all over America to stand up like a man and be a man. And let's go to Washington on behalf of our suffering people and say to America, we demand justice. Justice for the poor. Justice for the locked out. Justice for the weak of the nation. But first, we gotta atone. We gotta repent. So on September the sixteenth, nineteen October sixteenth, pardon me, nineteen ninety-five, we're gonna call it a day of atonement. A million black men coming to Washington in the name of God. Men of God atoning for our wickedness in refusing to accept our responsibility to do something for self. Atoning for putting our women and children on the front line to fight, bleed and die for our advancement while we as men stayed at home Atoning for what we've done to one another to make our communities what they have become. And then accepting our responsibility to do something for self. We must march on Washington. Go ahead. Ask the FBI and the government and the Justice Department open up the books. Let us see who killed Malcolm. Who killed Malcolm You want to pin it on me Because you see me rising You see black people listening And you don't have No black person to challenge me So you gonna raise My brother from the dead And then make me His, an accomplice in his murder To kill the influence That Farrakhan is developing With the young people as a part of the conspiracy. How dare you go and trick my sister, yes, Kabila Shabazz, yes, and manipulate her pain well, that's right. after you have manipulated the situation that caused the death of a father now you want to put the daughter in jail how low down and rotten can you get (laughs) lyndon johnson a lie called the Tonkin Gulf incident to get us into the Vietnam War. And they had to borrow money. And it was the Vietnam War that sunk the economy of America. She'll never recover from that hole. And look at the lives that were lost, the people that were wounded, that came back from that war, destroyed. I'm telling you, government, you ain't getting none of mine to fight in one of your damn wars. And I'm telling you, black man of America, stay out of America's army. Stay out of her name. job come on to god and let god put you to work don't let america send you all over the world to fight wars for the international bankers
1: you're
0: wearing all your african clothes how proud you are of africa Africa's a bigger slave today than she ever was. Did you hear what I said? Africa owes 400 and some odd billion dollars in debt to the international banking institutions of the world. And they have taken control of the policies of many governments, Directing them, and now they have a grip on the natural resources of African countries because of Africa's death and her weakness to unify and get out of that death. I say we gotta march. Yeah. We gotta show the world that the black man of America is alive and well. Yeah that the black man of America is finally standing up to shoulder our own responsibility as free black men. And so, as I leave you, I took this subject, Jesus Saves, because God wants to make me an example of his power to
1: save.
0: He wants me To love him enough That I would be willing to give my life Because if you're not willing to die for God He can't use you If you're not willing to give up everything you got for God He can't use you I thank God for the life that he gave me I thank God for the talent I thank him for my wife, my children, and my extended family. I thank God for the time that he has allowed me in his universe to behold his magnificence.
1: I thank him.
0: with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and I'm ready now to go down into the valley of death and challenge the force of death for the liberation of all of our people. In the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Allah is going down and his Christ is going down in the valley with me. And I promise you in the name of Allah that the last enemy that we must conquer is death. And when we conquer death on the other side of that is the kingdom of God and its establishment. And I only go in front of you, but you got to come behind me. should be afraid to die. But today we gotta challenge death. The international bankers, the wicked manipulators, the real Satans of the world. We gotta upset their world, upset their kingdom. I am set before America as a dare. I know. If you kill me, I'll be the last black man that you ever killed. That's right. Yes, I'm in the bosom of the one you call Christ. Yes, I'm in his bosom. I feel his presence all over me, all around me. Yes, so he said, who will go for us? Go and I said, here am I, send me. Yes, I'm anxious. I thank God for the womb of my mother yes, that brought me into the world to trouble Satan's kingdom. Yes, I want to help to tear down. can be free, justified and equal and live in peace and in harmony with one
1: another
0: so if you will march with me in a day of atonement yes, and cry out to God for justice yes, sir. then God will give you the vanguard position rise up Yes, sir. And take your responsibility. Yes, and so I would ask the Muslims. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But in asking you, I'm asking all of our people in general. Yes, sir. That commandment that Jesus gave, knowing that he was facing the cross, but also believing deeply in his heart that he would be delivered from death. Yes, he said to his followers. And through his followers to the world, love ye one, one another, even as I have loved you. He had come to the end of a particular phase of his journey, and he had demonstrated to his disciples, how much he loved them. Yes, sir. But he knew that the disciples were weak because they were filled with strife and envy and contention and jealousy, and they all wanted to be at the right or the left or to be in front. Let go hey. Hey. As a preacher. And he knew that it was alright to love him. But the best way you could show that you loved him was to practice that same love for one another. I say to the Muslims yes, sir. that I have proved to you that I love you. I have not taken your money to deceive you. I own nothing in this world. Everything I have belongs to you. I put my name on nothing. It all belongs to you. So there never will be no fight over me. That's right. If I'm taken as to who owns what, you are the owners. And everything I build and we build to the owners. Of the honorable Elijah Muhammad, it is yours too. This Savior's Day, I offer the farm, I offer the restaurant, I offer it all to all the old followers who suffered to build with Elijah Muhammad, but you can't have it. Go ahead. Unless you respect Master Farad, and you can't have it unless you respect the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and come on home and work for the deliverance of our people. So I appreciate all the love that you have poured on me this week and these many years. And I thank you on behalf of my wife and my family, I thank you for all the love that you've shown us. But it doesn't mean anything to me unless I can stay behind the door and see you showing love to one another. Yes, sir. The least little believer, show them the same love that you show me. The least little black brother or sister lift them up as though they are a king because in God's eyes they are king. and if you will do that we will constitute a nation that will never be removed from the earth so I thank you for enduring these hours with me I thank you for listening to me And I pray that God will bless you with the happiest of Savior's days and that the Savior will walk with you and me and us and redeem us and reconcile us and restore us, that we may go on this mission for him with all of the lost peoples of the earth. Thank you for listening as I greet you in peace.